Okay, so to start, you could just tell us a little bit about your family background. Are you from Christina and then your educational history a little bit? So I come from a, a town called Kamenica, where I finished my high school and I grew up there. It's on the east of Kosovo. And then um, uh, towards like the last year of high school, I started to get in touch with some NGOs. And then uh, I, um, during my last year of high school, I, I, I got engaged in one uh, project, an organization. And then in, 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 during some time, I started being engaged as a staff member. So I started working part-time for that NGO and part-time going to high school in the last year. And then later on, once I finished the high school, I moved in Pristina, in a bigger city, where I started my studies and I started to get fully engaged in this organization. And what were, um, what degree did you get? Uh, then I started studying sociology, okay. so I got a bachelor degree in sociology, and then I, I kept on working, and then later on in, um, in 2015, I got awarded with a professional certificate program from USAID, and then I studied there uh, women's and gender studies on topics on feminist theory and gender sex society. And how long did that, that was at Dartmouth? That was at Dartmouth, yeah. And uh, how long did it last? That was for three months only, yeah. Period of three months. And where I managed my work allowed me, since what I was about to study there was connected to what I do, the work. So they gave me three months up, and then, you know, once I, I graduated, I came back and I continued the work that I had left. Um, so, and then if you could expand upon the work that you did starting with local organizations and then working now with international organizations right. and the differences between working in a lo local and international level. Well, I mean, I started uh, being engaged in local organizations where like, they were more at the grassroots level, working directly with uh, society and uh, in smaller scale, I would say. And then I, I had moved to a few local organizations. Uh, basically, they were around uh, youth development and uh, dealing with, uh, in general, with different social issues. And uh, that had happened like for almost like, you know, uh, eight years. And then after that, I, in 2011, I started working with an uh, international organization, whereas uh, here, the work that I do is more particularly working on gender and uh, violence prevention, challenging the rigid norms of masculinities, and through the international organization, we work with local partner organization where I guess it's different kind of responsibility. Maybe if I were to compare, maybe this is a, 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 say a bigger responsibility in, in a sense, because uh, uh, while implementing your own work, you as well have to help other partner organizations that you know we fund and we, we cooperate with uh, so in uh, working local local organizations I was directly working in the field and community development whereas this international organization is uh, uh, more in terms of like mentoring uh, or partner organization uh, building their capacities uh, m and work um, but yet, I mean, I love the field work, so I try to engage as much as, much as possible uh, uh, in the field. And you said well, when you started out in these organizations, it was mostly youth development. So could you talk specific examples and then how you got to be focused more on mm -hmm. women's issues? Yeah, so, I mean, in a way, 
gender was always part of my life. I grew up with three sisters and uh, um, two older, one younger. And culturally in our own societies, you know, if you get teased or bullied or something, you're supposed to call your older brother. If you don't have older brother, you should look within your relatives, you know, and find a man to protect you. But I always invited my sisters. And, uh, you know, if, if and when it was needed, they had to show their teeth, you know, too. <laughs> so they were really my, 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 my protectors, uh, in a way. And uh, um, I think, and I didn't see them different from anybody else, like, you know, from a man or, 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 or are myself. Are sisters all older than you? Two of them are older, one of them is younger. Yeah, so uh, for a few years I grew up with them, and then later I had a younger brother. Um, and just, you know, growing up and seeing your sisters, my sisters just as anybody else, was really, in a way, starting, and they were my role models in a way, so I think that grew up in my family. Uh, even though we came from, you know, like, a, a, a in general, like a very patriarchal society, but I, I, I think as, as a child I could not uh, see the difference as much as sometimes you get influenced by society. And now I happen to have three nieces. So, and just recently I, I have a, a, um, as well a nephew. So it feels like the story is repeating itself. And um, uh, I just, I, I'm happy to work in gender, especially, you know, and. Um, because I, you know, that's how I grew up believing it, and I really want to give my contribution, especially in the country where there is, you know, this. I I want I like to call it a wind, like a, a patriarchy, because I believe we're going to be able to change it, and maybe not call it as a culture because it might, you know, like it's harder maybe to change the culture. So, and in my first project, we used to work in this organization, youth development, where we use arts in a way to promote and to promote you know, good values, but as well to challenge these uh, uh, um, stereotypical issues around you know, um, different social issues. So we use art as a way to uh, present these social issues and as well as a tool to speak to the youngsters because sometimes it was a bit boring or difficult to make them sit and go through slides like we would perform. And we had created this stop and act or uh, where we perform and then, you know, uh, stop the performance as the audience what has been happening and so now I mean back then we used to talk about anti-racism um, um, violence prevention as well HIV and uh, drug abuse um, against small arms abuse so it was you not know, it was very different varieties of social issues. And now working directly in gender, like it really makes me happy, and especially as I said, now working directly with young men, because I see as well how helpful you know was for me to believe in gender equality, because you know even as a man, like patriarchy harms men too, you know, and I know how much I benefited from you know like believing in uh, in gender equality in my sisters. At the same time, you know they benefited from having a supportive brother. What are some examples of ways that you benefited? Well, as a man, uh, I think, you know, uh, in patriarchal society, you're not allowed to show your emotions. Um, and at the same time, uh, it, that causes stress and depression. And uh, uh, just, I think, kind of 
you might feel superior where you know then you would not even spend time maybe with with uh, uh, like women and girls because you feel above them and I think this is where it creates some gap and difference so you know with me I was always like you know, their friend and we were very close and, and they helped me you know like uh, um, express emotions and uh, like even I learned a lot of cooking from them and like uh, and later I became a better cook than they are <laughs> And I even were in this MasterChef show that I participated. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so they were really big inspiration. I think you know, uh, uh, if being with them, believing the same uh, rights, I think you get to learn from them as well. Whereas you know, if you uh, prevent yourself, you block yourself. And I think it's um, as I said. You know, it really because men are taught you not to express emotions, uh, but the only emotion they would they're they usually know how to express is anger and fighting and whereas I think I learned how to be more peaceful and loving and caring and, you know. Great. and do you think a lot of um, your views on women are influenced by your parents? <laughs> yeah, I mean um, as in terms of my parents I would say that they didn't have a chance maybe, to be the best example, I would say, um, in the sense that uh, my father used to work a lot. My mom was at home, so uh, again, when we talk about gender equality, I would say, you know, like, and we're trying to promote a, a father that could be a role model and spend time with the children because it's important. Even fathers who find time to spend uh, time with their children, it affects them positively, and you know, uh, uh, children growing up with two role models, they benefit a lot more instead of growing up only with one. And but still, the way that my father treated my mother, I think I learned that. You know, that it was it was really good as well, like, example for me. But just I think you know, growing up, like I I I, I, I like you know, I miss my dad a lot. Uh, um, um, even though I mean, like because again in patriarchy, like he was probably taught from his parents that you know he should support the family and be the provider and my mom did not have education she only went for four years in primary school she didn't even manage to finish her primary school because uh, her father did not let her and because he said you know education is for men but not for women so my father had better education so he had a job and that's why we see I saw that this disbalance and like uh, of course, I understand my father went uh, uh, through a lot because he had to work all the time and really had no time to rest. So I think they were, you know, good examples for me. But at the same time, I can I have learned a lot from them, which I want to improve for myself. And would you consider yourself a feminist? And how do you think that word is viewed in Kosovo? I definitely consider myself a feminist, even though in Kosovo when you say you're a feminist. Uh, it's it's uh, often you know confused, uh, misinterpreted, or you know uh, if you say you're feminist, people think that you're gay, or you know like you're not able to fight women, or like you know you're too inferior. But um, like with my movement and with the project, we're trying to explain how like you know men. Uh, uh, should be feminist as well, join the movement of promoting gender equality because the way I understand feminism is uh, where they promote equal rights and, uh, and, and not just for women but as well for men because when we talk about violence prevention we don't talk only about you know, men towards women but as well men towards men or even you know, there are cases like uh, women towards men so 
in that sense, we're trying to uh, explain feminism and how the reason why, you know, again, I love what I do is because, you know, men should partake promoting gender equality because through the statistics, sadly, we are the ones who are causing uh, these inequalities and, and violence, you know, towards women, statistically speaking. And we cannot, you know, while we are causing these troubles and, and, and violence, then we cannot just let them deal with something that we created. Mm -hmm. I think we really have to take responsibility of what we did. Again, not playing that role that, you know, saying like, okay, now we are men, let us fix. No, no, like, uh, the way we do it is, you know, let's do it together. Like, you know, we, not in any sense, like, no, we are superior or something, but just we are, like, you know, a, a, a friend that, you know, that wants to help at the same time. Can you talk more about the product you're working on now and how you ended up working for them and um, specific programs that you've done? Yeah. So I started working for Young Men Initiative uh, since 2011. And I said I was engaged in previous organization that, you know, gender was, you know, mentioned or we did something around gender equality, but not something directly or so specific as we do now. Uh, the way I found about the project, uh, found out it was in, in a newspaper. I saw they're looking for coordinator and then I have applied. And even though in the beginning I loved the idea, the initiative, uh, I wasn't sure how it's going to work, you know, like making men sit and talk about gender equality without involving so much women. Uh, but then I happened to join and then I found out that actually it works pretty well. And, you know, men in Kosovo, again, as much as patriarchy, like patriarchy is very visible in Kosovo, uh, when we started talking to these young boys, we saw how open they were to cooperate and work because uh, when we asked them, they said like, you know, they were never asked to talk about gender equality. They always thought it was not their issue. It was not their responsibility. So then they were really open and cooperative when we started working with them. So the project... What age groups do you focus on? We focus on 14 to 18 youngsters. Um, Basically, we target uh, uh, vocational schools where uh, they're predominant by young men, and uh, vocational schools, technical schools, are known to be again predominated by young men because of the stereotypical professions that are only for men. And so, and usually, that's where these schools are known more for violence because again, there are a high number of, of men there. And uh, uh, they are considered to have lower reputation. Whereas, you know, in gymnasium, in private school, students have to apply to get in. But whoever doesn't get in somewhere, then they, that's the last, you know, source for them to, you know, jump in. So through our project, we focus on challenging the rigid norms of masculinities and harmful masculinities that harm men, both and women. And at the same time, you know, we try to promote gender equality, uh, violence prevention and uh, uh, sexual relative health, where we talk even about that, and uh, we as well talk about drug abuse and alcohol. We have a manual of 40 workshops that these four topics are, are have their own under topics. Each one of them has 10 more topics, where we even tackle uh, workshops like such as homophobia, labeling, public relationships, the difference between sex and gender, like how they are taught to act like men or women. And part of this manual and workshops that we do in schools, we as well uh, have a, um, a campaign where uh, the, our campaign is called Be a Man, 
and we invite boys to become a man, but with different approach. Before, you know, you were told to become a man when you could hold a gun or could smoke or, you know, like uh, uh, become violent. But we said, no, be a man, fall in love. You know, um, uh, be a man, change the rules. Um, um, like, be a man, even uh, don't be ashamed to buy a condom. As you know, again, in society, if you don't use a condom, you're a man because men don't need a condom. So, stuff like this. And, like, we use these teaser campaigns to, you know, to challenge these rigid norms of masculinities. And, like, we had a, for 8th of March, an interesting campaign where usually for 8th of March, uh, for uh, usually men are expected to buy flowers and give to uh, mothers and sisters and general women. Whereas we had picked three boys and three girls and boys were doing so-called against stereotypical jobs that you know women do. One boy was ironing in the middle of the street, the second one was changing diapers of baby and the third one was cooking. And the girls were doing so-called jobs for men. One was doing some construction work, one was a doctor and the third one was just signing papers. And then we got a lot of media attention on why we're doing this and you know we talked you know that what do you want to do we want to promote equal rights you know and it's not just about throwing flowers and you know it became too commercialized. Um, and the students that you reach are they mostly schools in Pristina or do you reach schools throughout Kosovo and do they come to Pristina for workshops or do you go to them? The way we do it, um, because the project is really new, so not just for Kosovo, but even for the world, uh, and it's uh, it was in its piloting phase. So we have picked two schools from the beginning. One was in Pristina, one in Northern Trovisa with Serbian communities. So we worked with two NGOs. But then again, the uh, because the project was being piloted, we wanted to test the the modules. So what we did, we did the baseline research. And then we worked with these boys for two years, and then we did them an end line. And then we saw how much we have affected the attitudes and behavior of these youngsters. So later we got some extra funds, you know, and then uh, we started to spread in Ferizai, in Jakova, Jidan, and Dragash, a few more municipalities. And because of its successful uh, results, our project got accredited by Ministry of Education, and that's why we do trainings for teachers now, so they could you know as well use this methodology implement in schools and you know because they're already existing resources so they can carry on and uh, we do it in the schools because we have approval from Ministry of Education to do training in schools because our, our, our workshops are quite intensive and that's why you know we don't have time to take them somewhere else but you know we just take one class of be that biology teacher or life skills program or you know, some other that talk on, on about violence, prevention, gender, so because it just builds on that. So, like, while us doing this workshop doesn't mean they're missing hours okay. of school, but it's just being built on it's that. Built on. Yeah, because uh, when you, uh, as well, Ministry of Education, when they checked our program and manual, they said that, you know, this program fills a lot of gaps of the schools, you know, the, of the uh, subjects in schools. So that's why, you know, they, they were happy to let us do these workshops during school hours. I've heard a lot of people mention um, a gap in the curriculum, and especially relating to gender issues. Yeah. Uh, do you, I guess, are there any initiatives um, besides yours to try and combat the curriculum and make it more... I think there were some initiatives from organizations, from civil society, that, you know, they wanted to improve uh, the 
uh, the existing materials and how like even from early childhood like you know from first class how they portray men and women in books colors and pictures and you know what they do because you know when we grew up we saw you know like boys were always playing football and you know, having blue and girls were always knitting or serving coffee or something and wearing pink so like there were some initiatives to change these approaches in the books and materials and the way you know sometimes they even use the language which was a bit discriminatory towards women so you know these initiatives uh, 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 are you know being presented every day but something so specific as we do it's I would say unique there are some as well trainings or you know programs for short term that you know they, they work on women empowerment and women emancipation the schools but with men and and, and and into this depth like you know where we even talk difference between gender and sex I think this was something that you know then one of the most uh, favorable workshops for youngsters is when they learn that actually there's a difference between gender and sex and how you know that um, what differs us from men and women it's only like you know in, uh, uh, sex and biology and uh, 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 or physical but the rest is gender and given by society you know so like you should be able to see you know uh, just equally yeah. and who um, funded and initiated the project so the project uh, first it was found in in the Balkan region. Uh, it started in Bosnia, Serbia, and Croatia. Uh, it was funded by uh, Ministry of Social uh, Affairs from Norway. Nor Norwegian were the first to fund the project in 2007, and then in 2011, which we happened the second phase, Kosovo joined in, and they we still had the same donor that continued for three extra years and now we are currently under the funds of Austrian Development Agency and now to smaller scale we have as well other donors like OSCE, UNFPA, UNICEF we just had as well some uh, um, small grant from um, Embassy of Sweden because from our project being successful with young men then we started expanding working with fathers and fathers to be so that's some new initiative we just started now recently and uh, we're still looking for some uh, 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 possible funds you know, to expand that project even though for the moment it's just in the piloting phase and have you started having workshops for that program for now we had only the campaign promotion where you know we had a, a campaign like we had twice like last year for the 15th of May I think it's a family international family day and uh, last year we named the campaign Best Dad, this year we named it Super Dad, where we have found some fathers who are, you know, engaged in the family and help with household and with raising children, so, and we took some pictures with these fathers and trying to promote this positive fatherhood and, uh, and we have as well launched a, 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 a Welcome Father's State Review, where, you know, we have looked from, uh, we have looked some of the laws and you know uh, talk about gender and engagement of fathers and as well we have come up with some suggestions and recommendations especially on paternity leave whereas in Kosovo it's still very limited and fathers are not so much engaged so and we have developed a manual that is going to lead fathers and work with them from the time they find out that say they're expecting a baby and so we have workshops where we teach fathers and we go through 
learning uh, about pregnancy. What does it mean when your wife is pregnant? What does what does she go through? And then childbirth, and then uh, child growing close to the parents, and how it's important to you know be a good role model for your child, and how to stop violence, and how to be you know there you know different steps and household division, paternity leave you know and so that for now we just launched the campaign and now we're going to find 20 fathers where we're going to test it with them and see how it goes. And have you worked on any collaborative projects with other countries in the Balkans? Yeah, so as project is in regional level, uh, we, we have um, eight local partner organizations in the region. In Kosovo we have two, in Serbia we have two, Albania we have one, Croatia one, and Bosnia we have three. So. Uh, Care International works in the whole region, and then we work with local partner organizations. It's the same approach we use, you know, in every country. Okay. Um, and how do you think, um, turning more to the political side, how do you think women in politics are viewed in Kosovo? Well, um, again, as I said, you know, being a patriarchal country, women, it was, it was. Uh, I think for many, it was difficult. To be able to see women as leaders, where like you know, I guess you know if they had a problem having a woman uh, as a leader, like even in the family, then they would definitely have a problem like a woman like leading the country. So I think like uh, we were lucky to have the quota, you know, to involve 30 percent at least of women in, 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 in into politics, and I think later on these women proved themselves and into this uh, to the society that you know they're they're. You know, they're as good as men, and sometimes even better than men. So later, I think they even they start getting more votes directly from society. You know, even without having to be like obligatory to have a quota, like people started to support them, and uh, uh, maybe not to the scale that you know it would satisfy us, but still there is you know some movements. We happen to have a president woman for, for quite many years. I think you know there was a lot of judgment, you know, and, and, and even media itself were always trying to pick on her when she does mistakes, and not like uh, uh, when she does, does something, you know, great for society. So even media have that issue. And I just want actually to jump back to the project we started a, uh, as well a project on gender-sensitive language use on media. So we started even training journalists how to be gender sensitive, you know, when they report. And like, you know, even they report a, a case of violence, not always to look, did she deserve it? But, you know, like, and try to see, like, why the person violated, you know, like, and, and like, uh, how, you know, like, not try to focus so much on, on, on women and victimizing her or, like, blaming her. I mean, sorry, blaming her. So, uh, you know, we did some training with some journalists and we're still in the plan to work with a lot more journalists. Um, yeah, and um, staying on the topic of media, so do you think um, women in politics are targeted a lot more in the media than men and portrayed differently? Well, you know, they are targeted when, again, it is to be made fun of. You know, like uh, I even, I, I, I happen to see sometimes that they're even afraid to bend a bit because if... I'm sorry for language, if their butt is going to show up a bit, the media go and, and, and report that or take a picture. Or like, they can even bend because if their breath show up a bit, again, the media is going to 
really exaggerate and and uh, and portray them. And sometimes in the media we even write which is the sexiest, you know, like woman in parliament, which that never happened with men. You know, they never say that. I guess I don't know if it's not interesting or I don't know what, but it's always for them easier to objectify women. And uh, very rare you see sometimes how they empower women. You know, like you know, somebody makes a change or something to empower, but media always use this uh, way of lowering their standards and, you know, like, uh, objectifying simply more. Do you think the situation for women in Kosovo is improving? If you are to compare, you know, with the past, it is, you know, like, and um, uh, not to the level that, you know, it would satisfy us. We have really good, you know, to some extent, we have good laws that support, you know, women, talk about gender equality and anti-discrimination. But culturally, that doesn't apply necessarily, you know. And uh, um, I think even I saw that, you know, since 2008, the divorce rate had gone higher. Which, you know, for some people, they might see this something, you know, bad. But like, coming from gender perspective, I think there is some positive to it, you know, because women are not allowing anymore to be treated as they were before. Because before, you know, if you got married and then you had no job and you had no education, whatever your husband might make you do or expect you, you should have, you, you have to, you had to do it. Otherwise, you know, if you were to break up, you could not have your own house and you could not go back to your biological parents because they would not let you go back. Whereas now women are more, you know, like uh, 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 independent, like stronger, and uh, again, as I said, no, they're not happy. The divorce rate has you know, gone higher. I'm not saying it's like 100% for the reasons of, I guess there could be different reasons, but you know, we know like many cases where like, uh, 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 even we see reports of women you know, like uh, uh, being violated. And again, because we're a bit of collective society, sometimes it's hard for women to even uh, speak out because again they're judged, you know. And uh, but I think slowly, slowly we're progressing and and, and learning. And um, what would you say are some of the biggest obstacles facing Kosovar women in society today? Well, I think it is. I mean, there are many of them. Uh, I think one of them, it's when you talk about equal rights, it's not an employment, it's not just having any sort of job. Uh, because sometimes, you know, now they say, oh, women have equal rights because, you know, they are working too. Uh, yes, but I would say if they're working eight hours a day, just like their husbands, when they go back home, they still have to do the household division and childcare and everything. So I think they're entering their second shift. So. I think the problem is recited that they don't understand what proper equal rights mean, you know, when it comes to gender. Uh, yes, you know, before they were not allowed to uh, work or to be educated. I mean, that slowly is changing. Uh, but it's harder for men to see women in, in leading positions. You know, like, even sometimes, you know, I had a friend that said, you know, like, uh, she leads this organization, and they were like, who's your boss? Was like, I am the boss. Like, people, it's hard to see them, you know, there's a woman, a boss, and a leader, and, and I think these gender norms of, you know, like, what work should men do and what women, it's, it's a bit harder to understand, you know, for them. And uh, mostly in the jobs that we have, women who work in Kosovo are... I don't know, schools, teaching, and then you have uh, supermarkets, nursing, but you know, not as much in like where men. So I think 
for men being able to see them equally and, and you know do household division and everything like that's a bit I think it's I would not say maybe it is some sort of obstacle mm -hmm. okay well thank you so much um, for doing this yeah that was a lot of really great information and I hope you're good yeah <laughs> yeah